It's time to play like a jet with your host, Scott Mason. Play like a jet. What does that mean? Drops the throw, steps up, floats a bomb up the right seam, looking for Anderson. He's got it. They're not going to catch him. He's going to go the distance. Touchdown. Sam Darnold dials it up to Robbie Anderson. 92 yards. Bell into the middle of that line, and it's a touchdown. Big return for Crowder, 85 yards. Pass thrown. There was contact with the quarterback, and it's incomplete. They got pressure on Prescott. It was Adams who came blitzing in. He'll hit immediately when he got the handoff. You know that's the Q-inator. Oh, my gosh. Listen, thank you. From the TOJ Digital Studios, this is Play Like a Jet. My name is Scott Mason. You can follow me on Twitter, at PlayLikeAJet1. And it is time for the weekend mailbag. So for that, of course, we bring in the owner, the operator, the lead reporter, the whole shebang over at JetsInsider.com. And of course, above all of that, a very big deal, Mr. Chris Nimbley. Let's jump right into the mailbag, and we will start with Michael Pallas of the Jet Up Bleeding Green podcast, who asks... Do you guys think Sam Darnold is capable of carrying the team with a bunch of solid wide receivers and no true prototypical wide receiver number one, kind of like Tom Brady? Is he still too young next season to put that on his plate? In other words, should they just focus on the offensive line, get a guy like Chase Claypool from Notre Dame as a wide receiver, somebody that you can speak to intelligently, Chris, as a Notre Dame fan? As Michael points out here, he says that Claypool reminds him of Quincy Anunua. I haven't watched enough of him, so I'll let you talk about that. Do you think that if they gave him a guy like that, combined with the wide receivers that he already has, that Darnold has the talent to lift the team up? Could he be that elite type of quarterback? I do think that he has the possibility to become that guy. I'm not sure that he's there yet, but I do think that improving the offensive line is going to be a huge part of figuring out whether or not he is that guy. Now, I don't think that you necessarily need, as you said, a prototypical wide receiver number one to succeed if you have a very good to excellent quarterback. I think it helps, but I think we've seen guys like Russell Wilson, Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers, who have had good receivers, very good receivers, sometimes not elite receivers, and they're still very successful. Can Sam Darnold be that guy? I think he has the ability to get there. Whether or not he does is another question. It still remains to be seen. We've seen the flashes, and we've seen the indications that he can. I do think he needs another weapon, regardless of whether it's a wide receiver number one. You'd like to see a wide receiver number one, but even a guy, as you said, like a healthy Quincy Inunua type, added into this offense along with Robbie Anderson, Jamison Crowder, Christopher Herndon when he comes back should help a lot. I do think that they need somebody who is at least better than Robbie Anderson. And Robbie's a good wide receiver, but I think he's sort of in that two to three range. They need somebody who at the very least is a really, really good number two, I think. So I don't know that they necessarily need that elite wide receiver, but they do need an upgrade. And whether or not Sam Darnold can be a guy that can win consistently without that new Hopkins type player, Mike Evans, somebody like that, we're going to find out over the next couple of years. But I do think he has that talent. It's just going to depend on whether or not the offensive line can protect him. 
and whether or not he can develop the rapport he needs to develop with the wide receivers he has the way that Tom Brady does because as you said Michael Tom Brady quite frequently hasn't had that prototypical number one wide receiver but he develops an incredible chemistry and he figures out how to have the right precision and timing so we'll see but I think that there's at least a chance that he can get to that point yeah I absolutely think that he can be that um you know, and I know this isn't what Michael's saying, but just to clarify, because somebody will hear Sam Darnold and Tom Brady in the same sentence. So we're not going all that way. And again, I know that's not what Michael's saying, but just to preemptively stop somebody from saying that, oh, no, they think Sam Darnold equals Tom Brady now. Um, <laughs> but they, he can absolutely do that. The more important thing is obviously the offensive line. And it's not even just an offensive line that can block for him. It's an offensive line that's not going to constantly get penalized and put them in uh, third and 15 back up on their own five-yard line. It's, it's also not having that happen on special teams. You get a return uh, on a kick return, and you get have to start on your own three-yard line. He, he needs that stuff more to happen more than anything else. Um, but, yeah, if you uh, – a Chase Claypool is absolutely a, a good a, a fit, like somebody. I agree that – but the thing is you need – you can't just get by with just, like like you said, just Robbie Anderson and a bunch of other guys or a just a Chase Claypool type and a bunch of other guys. If you have four people, uh, you know – on the caliber of what Chase Claypool will be, what Robbie Anderson is. Mm -hmm. If you have like four or five of those guys, then that's not a problem at all. But if you just have one of them, like right now it's just Robbie Anderson basically. Demarius Thomas has, you know, it's whatever, but he's Demarius Thomas at this point in his career. That's not going to be enough. Now, and part of this is also going to factor in, are they going to bring Robbie back? Because if they don't bring Robbie back, then that opens up another hole. They're going to need a whole bunch more. Um, now, I'm not going to pass on a uh, Jerry Judy because I believe in this, uh, that you can win without a true number one if you're deep enough with receivers. If you, Like, if you have four people, receivers, who could considerably be number twos, you can win like that, especially with someone at Sam Darnold as quarterback. But again, I'm not going to pass on a Jerry Judy just to go with that theory. So it depends still where on they're going to draft and who what the who falls to them on the board. But yeah, I do think you can get by without a true number one with Sam Darnold. You're just going to have to make sure you have enough other options for him to go to. Because you got to think, remember – you know, Tom Brady, except for the Randy Moss years, hasn't had that true number one, but he was still finding all types of guys to throw to. He was still throwing the ball around. It's not like he's just leaning on two guys, even though, like, it was Edelman Grunt getting the chunks of it. There was always a couple other guys around that he could use, too. Um, and same with Aaron Rodgers and all these other guys. So you can absolutely do it, but you do have to be kind of deep at that position to be able to pull it off next question is actually a series of questions from jesus de la paz jr we'll go one by one on this chris first one what type of wide receiver do you think the jets would target in free agency or the draft i keep hearing about this loaded class of wide receivers everywhere so adam Gase tends to like wide receivers that can run crisp routes and can get yards after the catch 
Jamison Crowder is a really good yak guy. Quincy Inunua, a great yak guy when healthy. Robbie Anderson, not really a yak guy. So I wonder if Robbie Anderson sticks around. We'll see. I think that that's something that Adam Gase is really going to want in wide receivers that they invest in. He's going to want somebody that can make plays after the catch. Yeah, it, well, it's, that's definitely what Adam Gase will want. It's, I'm curious to see exactly, you know, what... Uh, Joe Douglas would want uh, what he thinks. Would he want more of a bigger receiver? Uh, but I agree. I think that that's probably. But then again, we come to this point where if you're talking about a Jerry Judy or a C.D. Lamb, they're, they're just so overly talented at, at all across the board that it overrides a specific type of receiver you're looking for. Um, but, yeah, a crisp route runner – with the yards after catch, uh, good hands, uh, that's what Adam Gase tends to prefer. And that's a, that's not something to knock Adam Gase for. That's a smart thing. Um, but we're going to, you know, we're going to have to wait and see because Joe Douglas is obviously going to be the one making the call. And I'm not sure. I, I wonder if Joe Douglas would like more of a big body uh, receiver. But I, I have nothing really to go on that to know uh, there. Um, but there are receivers in this draft, a, a handful of them, that just transcend uh, the type of receiver there are. They're just so good across the board that you just, yeah, we need a receiver. That guy's available. Take him. Next question. Is there any scenario in which the Jets would inquire about Odell Beckham Jr. if he is indeed on the trading block again next season? I don't think so, other than the obligatory phone call. I don't see him as an Adam Gase-type player. He's really not what Gase looks for in so many different ways. I also think that the injuries, the amount of money it would cost, the draft picks that it would require from the Jets, it's not something that Joe Douglas is going to be interested in. And to be honest with you, as talented as Odell is, it just seems like he finds himself in these situations where he's not clicking. And I don't think that he's something from an organizational standpoint that would make a lot of sense for the Jets right now. I don't see Douglas or Gase being very interested at all. There's a, the scenario I would say for it to happen is Cleveland's, uh, and I'm, I don't know this to be the case. I don't know anything about how Cleveland's feeling about him right now. Uh, about how happy he is. I know there's a lot going around about that. I don't know anything about that. But if it got so bad that Cleveland was willing to trade him for like a fifth-round pick, then maybe. But even then, I'm going to go ahead and agree with you. that Adam Gase, I don't think, would want him. And I, I don't think that Joe Douglas would want uh, – and it's, it's the personality that they don't want. Um, it's all the drama that comes with him, and a lot of it isn't his fault. Uh, uh, but he does bring a lot of it on himself as well at times. Um, I think the biggest reason for his lack of production this year is that Baker is waiting for things to be perfect to throw to it, throw it to him when he's the type of receiver you just kind of chuck it up to and let him go get it. Um, so I think uh, on the field he would perform fine here, but the personality – uh, it, and right or wrong, I'm not saying this is right or wrong, but it just that doesn't seem to be the type of player Adam Gase or Joe Douglas want. Last question from Jesus. He says, chances Ron Rivera sits out next year. I think it could happen, but I think there's a decent chance he ends up as head coach of the Giants. There's a connection there with Dave Gettleman. He perfectly fits what Dave Gettleman likes. He's got the experience. He's got a Super Bowl appearance under his belt. 
I could totally see him being the next head coach of the Giants. I do think that there's a possibility he sits out, though, because he was a head coach for a really long time. He might be burned out. He might need a break. He might need to refresh and recharge his batteries, so I can't get inside his head. But I do think there's a chance he could sit out for sure. Although, if the Giants come calling, I think that could be a tempting thing for him to consider. Yeah, I, I think there's a chance that he would sit out, and that's only because he would want to take the year off. Um, and just like you, I'm not in his head. I don't know anything about him personally, so I don't know how he's feeling. Um, but I, I could imagine uh, a coach being there, at, or, or, you know, in that role for so long, being like, you know what, and getting fired, being like, you know what, let, let me sit back for a year or two. I, could, I would totally understand that. If he wants to coach this year or next year, then he will absolutely be a head coach next year. Play like a jet. Play like a jet. Next question comes in from Johnny Brascioli says, allocate these resources in 2020. The first batch of picks rounds one through four to these positions. Tackle cornerback, edge, and guard. Obviously, this is dependent on which positions you feel the Jets need right now as opposed to positions that they could develop a player. Also, I'm giving you free agency money. You can spend it that way, too. So I'm going to say this in more of a broad aspect as opposed to actual specific players. There are three free agents that it looks like there's at least a decent chance will hit the open market based on what the franchise tag price point would be for them. And all three of these guys are guys the Jets should be in on because they all play positions that the Jets are in desperate need of. One of them is Brandon Scherf, the guard for the Washington Redskins, who was picked one spot ahead of Leonard Williams in the 2015 draft. One of them is Yannick Ngakwe, the edge rusher from the Jacksonville Jaguars, who I think has not gotten anywhere near enough credit for what he's done this year and even last year with the Jaguars. And I think Josh Allen is getting a lot of the credit that should go to Ngakwe. And the third guy is Byron Jones, who we've talked about, the cornerback from the Dallas Cowboys. I think the Jets should be in on all three of them. I think they'd be lucky to get even one of the three because there's going to be a long line for all three. You're talking about three really good to very good players in their prime at three very important positions. So there are going to be a lot of teams that will be competing against the Jets for their services. I think if they can land one of the three, that would be great. Let's say, just for argument's sake, that they get Brandon Scherf and we'll say that Jones and Ngakwe go elsewhere. Well, that means that there's a little bit lesser of a need at guard. You still need to get a guard, but maybe you can get a guy that can come in and be a decent guard in free agency, and then you can focus on tackle in the draft. I've said this before in terms of the draft, and I hate to sound like a broken record, but it's impossible for me to know who to draft without knowing where the Jets are picking and who's on the board at the time of them <coughs> picking. I would say as a general philosophy, though, I would plan on picking a lot of offensive linemen in the first few rounds. And then whatever happens with wide receiver, with cornerback, certainly edge rusher if a really good one becomes available. There are going to be some circumstances in which you might be tempted to go a different way. I mentioned Isaiah Simmons and a lot of people flipped out on me about it. But what I said was he's a player that I think could be utilized in so many different awesome ways, the way that Jamal Adams is. Jamal Adams is somebody that's a safety, 
but he's not just a safety because of the way that Greg Williams uses him. It makes him so much more valuable than just the safety. So I think if Greg Williams were to go to Joe Douglas, and let's say the Jets were picking in the 8-15 to range, and they had Isaiah Simmons from Clemson, who, by the way, is a linebacker-safety hybrid, but I think that if they transition to a 4-3, which they very well might, he can be used in a lot of different and interesting ways by Greg Williams. I think if Greg Williams were to go to Joe Douglas and say, look, I want Simmons. Give him to me. I've got plans for him. Here's what I want to do with him. I think that I could turn him into the next Derek Brooks. If you're Joe Douglas and you're sitting between 8 and 15 and the trade offers aren't great and you have Simmons rated extremely highly, even though you have bigger needs, maybe you consider it. So I think that's something where you might go off the reservation a little bit. There's a possibility depending on the circumstances, but as a general philosophy, I would be planning to draft a lot of offensive linemen, and I would be looking edge rusher, and I would be looking wide receiver, and I would be looking cornerback because those are the biggest areas of need, and especially edge rusher, cornerback, and offensive line, those are premium positions as well. So that's what I would look to do, but again, circumstance will dictate what you actually do in reality. Yeah, circumstances are obviously going to dictate it. Who you can get in free agency is obviously going to dictate it. But can I just go uh, just all offensive linemen? Um, <laughs> just just give, give me all the offensive linemen. But I've, ta- I've talked about this before. Uh, Byron Jones is somebody I would definitely make a, a hard push for in free agency. Uh, you know, if you could get Byron Jones and Yannick Ngakwe in free agency and uh, – uh, you know, I agree with you that getting just one of those three would be t- tricky enough. So getting two of them, but it's just hypothetically say you could get those guys, then go ahead, just go all offensive line, or you could go a receiver, one receiver and three offensive line two whatever you want to do. But I've, I've been talking about this since before last draft. I hope, I want the draft to focus on offense, if you if you get a you know if they had a chance at a Chase Young or somebody that was just that good that slips to them fine, um obviously go for that. But if it if it's close, just put those draft resources to offense for a year or two. Just just do that and try to look to build a cornerback uh, through free agency. If you can't get in Gakwe, then it's going to be a lot tougher to to fill that uh, pass rusher role in free agency. That's the that's the tricky part about it is it's really hard to get offensive line and uh, edge rushers, and it's tough to get uh, cornerbacks in free agency as well. Um, and this year's there's not a lot of uh, great options at receiver in free agency either, so. This is the big – again, I'm not trying to harp on Mike McCagnan, and I promise we will soon eventually stop talking about it. But I want to say this because if Joe Douglas does, makes the same mistakes McCagnan makes or if the next GM, I want everybody to be able to understand that it's a mistake as it's happening. Mike McCagnan drafting non-premium positions high in the draft for so long is a, such a huge problem because the holes that the Jets have are all at premium positions, and you only have so many draft picks that you can use, and it's hard to fill all these holes with those draft picks. Um, and that's even assuming that you're going to hit on those draft picks. So you have to, when you're looking at the draft, especially at the top of the draft, 
there needs to be a bigger emphasis on the premium positions. And again, with Sam Darnold, I would just put so much emphasis on the offensive line to help Sam Darnold, which will help the receivers and the running back and the entire offense as a whole. I will say this, though. I think that usage plays into this a lot. So as I said, Greg Williams is an example. The way he was using Jamal Adams makes it so that even though Jamal Adams doesn't play a premium position, he plays such an important role in the defense that you could live with picking him really high despite the fact that he's not an edge rusher or a left tackle or something like that. If there's a situation like that, and I mentioned Simmons in that regard, where there's not a premium position player that you love, and Simmons is on the board and Greg Williams thinks that he can utilize him as this incredible chess piece where he can get a ton of impact out of him, then I think that that changes the discussion a little bit. But I think as a general point, what you're saying is true, and they certainly need to address those positions. Play like a jet. Play like a jet. Next question comes in from Tim. He says, I'm looking to go to the Jets-Steelers game next Sunday. Where can I get tickets where it's not going to cost me an arm and a leg? Best answer for this one is obviously the Vivid Seats mobile app. Tim, if you download it right now and you use the promo code OVERTIME at checkout, you could get up to 100 bucks off on your very first purchase, which would include that Jets-Steelers game that's coming up next Sunday or... If you change your mind, you decide you don't want to go to that game, you can still use that promo code for something else, a wrestling match, a boxing match, a concert, a basketball game, a hockey game, whatever it is you want to use it for, that promo code will work when you download the Vivid Seats mobile app and use the promo code OVERTIME on your very first purchase. You'll get yourself up to 100 bucks off. Next question comes in from JetsJoe73. He says, Chris how much money do I need to pay you for you to drop the very big deal elbow on Adam Gase? <laughs> oh, you got to pay me enough to retire. <laughs> you got to pay me enough where I do not need money. Anymore. <laughs> that's, that's it. You pay me enough where I can retire and I can just go off and be, live comfortably for the rest of my life. We can talk. Hit me up in the DMs if you got that type of money. We talked at one point in the mailbag about the Jets not taking away press credentials for asking tough questions, but I do think if you dropped an elbow on Adam Gase, they would probably take away your press credential. <laughs> and not just the Jets, the entire right. NFL. Right, and you would probably go to jail for assault as well, so there's that. Yeah, but if, if you're paying me enough, if you're paying me enough, I'm telling you there's a chance. <laughs> Next series of questions comes in from one of our favorites, Peter J. Dillard. He says, gentlemen, do we give Christopher Johnson any credit for speaking out in the middle of the turmoil that is this season and making such a bold, if not idiotic, <laughs> statement about Adam Gase? He could have said nothing. So we'll go question by question here with what Peter's asking. I give him credit for facing the media, but at the same time, I don't because what he said was so stupid. So I give him credit for having the guts to face the press, but I don't give him credit for what he actually said because what he said is really the most important part of this. And what he said made no sense at all to me because why would you, as Chris, you've said, and as you heard Brian No say on the show on Friday, pot commit to use a poker term to Adam Gase, especially with games left in the season. If things go in a disastrous direction, you're left in a spot where you committed to a guy that you shouldn't have committed to and you have to make one of two decisions. You either have to stick with him because you said you would or you have to make yourself look silly 
by turning around and firing him after you said you weren't going to. So I thought what he said was absolutely bizarre and ridiculous. So I don't give him any credit for that. I guess if you want to say he was courageous for facing the press, sure. I, I give him a little credit for facing the press just because I'm not one of these people that was sitting here. Chris Johnson needs to talk during the season. He needs, I, I don't, I don't, I don't think that I just, what, what do we really get out of an owner talking during the middle of the season? Uh, like it just seems he wants, he needs to be held accountable. All right, cool. But like, what's he going to say that's going to make anything better or worse? Um, also, when you ask these types of questions, like, look at it. Uh, Bruce Arians was asked the other day about uh, Jameis Winston's long-term future with them. And he was just like, you know what? I'm going to pass on asking that question, answering that question. And he's put in a no-win situation being asked that question because even if he's wants to go forward with Jameis Winston 100%, he can't negotiate that through the media and say, oh, we're going to go after it. We're going to pay him whatever he wants. Um, and he's also not going to be like, oh, yeah, we're definitely moving on from him. So what answer is he supposed to give there? And then there's also the the idea of, okay, he said it, but how many times have we heard a coach or a, a coach say a player was going to be with them long term and then that player gets traded or GM owner say something about a coach is safe, and then a couple weeks later the coach is fired. So it doesn't really mean anything. It doesn't buy you anything. But it was you should never commit to anything like that in the middle of a you know a disastrous season, bad run. There's just no need to do it. He could have just easily said, "Listen, I know things aren't going great right now." But we're, we're going to assess at the end of the season and move on from there. It's really that simple. That should be uh, the answer to those types of questions every single time. Just a blanket. We will look and review and assess everything at the end of the season. And I, that's why I don't see the need about owners speaking in the middle of the season. They can't tell you that they're going to make a change then. So they either need to just pass on the question or maybe lie, and I'm. I think Christopher Johnson does believe this. Um, I I I wouldn't be shocked if if something happens and he uh, completely changes it. But from everything I've heard, yeah, Gase will be back next year. But there's no reason to say it either way. Next question from Peter. Do you guys think Bam Bam Douglas has noticed how well Tannehill has played since he is no longer being coached by Gase? I'm sure he has. There's no way that you wouldn't notice it. Yeah, I mean, I'm, he's paying attention to the rest of the league. He's noticing it. Um, it. It's that simple. If he's paying attention to the Titans at all, he's noticed it. Now, is he going to say, this means Adam Case is a bad coach or the bad, uh, not a good coach for Sam Darnold? I don't know if I'd go that far. Last question from Peter. I'm done with the usurper. Any chance that we get to see Darnold and Le'Veon Bell ignore him and start calling their own plays the way that Rodgers did last year with Mike McCarthy? 
No, because Sam Darnold isn't as entrenched as Aaron Rodgers, and also he doesn't have that same personality. Sam Darnold is much more of a go-along to get-along type of guy. He's not somebody that would ever make that type of move, and I don't think Le'Veon Bell would either. He doesn't seem like the type that would go against what the coach is calling, even if he's frustrated, which I'm sure that he is. So, no, I don't think that they're going to do that. Although, I'm not going to lie, I wouldn't mind seeing them try it because A, it would probably yield better results, and B, it would at least give us something entertaining to watch down the stretch. Yeah, first I'm going to say I completely understand Peter being done with Adam Gase, and I I, I support that stance. Just don't ever be done referring to him as the usurper. <laughs> I love it way too much. I love it more than words can describe. So be done with him. Just continue to uh, go reference him as the usurper. Uh, but, yeah, I agree with everything you said. Sam Darnold's not going to do this. You know, maybe five, seven years down the road, maybe he could uh, be confident enough to do that. But that's just not his personality right now. And he's he's way t- too deferential to, you know, authoritative figures and coaches. He, he is not going to buck that. Um, Le'Veon Bell's not going to uh, – He's, he's not going to be able to sell Sam on doing that. They're going to go ahead and go along with it. And, yeah, Le'Veon has been uh, absolutely nothing, has shown no fight back on coaches or anything. He, he is going along with it. Um, but I would absolutely love to see what that would look like. I, I, it's not going to happen, but I would love to see what it would look like. That's going to wrap up part one of the weekend mailbag. We'll be back with part two tomorrow. In the meantime, make sure you're following Chris on Twitter at CNimbly and at Jets Insider. Read his very big deal work over at JetsInsider.com. And for the latest and greatest in New York Jets podcasts, you know where to go. That's Turn on the Jets Digital and TurnOnTheJets.com.